Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here with us today as we are continuing our series, The Power of a Blessing, and we are in week four of this series. Now, this series is built upon two biblical truths that we've been working on over these past four weeks, and just remind you of these truths. Number one is that God wants to bless us. God has blessed us. God is blessing us. God will bless us. It's just what God does. It's his nature. He's a God of blessing. And so since we've been going through this for four weeks now, we've been talking about God's blessings, and I've been asking you to kind of pay attention to some of the blessings that God might have in your life. I wanted us to start today by taking just a moment and celebrating some of God's blessings. So just a moment for us to to share out loud something that you're thankful for, something that you've noticed in your life that that you appreciate uh, God giving to you. Uh, could be a person, could be a thing, could be any number of things. And a little one down here has already started. It's awesome. And you're a blessing, I'm sure, to your mom and dad. All right, so as a church family, here's your shot. What are you thankful for? What has God blessed you with? A family? Awesome. Families are a blessing. Yeah. I'm thankful for my daughter and my girl's family and for my life around. Awesome. So your family, your daughter, and God turning your life in a new direction. It's very cool. It's a great gift. What else? My grandchildren. Grandchildren. I hear they're great. I don't have any yet, and I'm not trying to get there anytime soon. (laughs) I'm going to hold off on that for a while. Shout it out. Your wife, your hot wife. I'm going to leave that one with you. I like your wife. She's awesome. Yes. Sobriety. Sobriety. You know, we had someone share in the first service. They were thankful for six years of sobriety. That's awesome. Awesome. Sobriety is a great gift from God. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So a a blessing in the middle of a game. How cool is that? Awesome. What else? Grace. Grace. Where would we be without grace? What else? All of our senses that we take for granted. His touch, his smell, his sight, his hearing, all the things we take for granted. Yep. It's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, if you have the ability to see, feel, you know, taste, smell, hear. I mean, all of that is a blessing from God, and we so often take those things for granted. Thanks for reminding us. Anything else? There are lots of them. God's got some great blessings. Yes? Finding your way back to God. It's a big blessing. So again, thank you for helping me do that this morning. Our God is a God of blessing. We've got to open our eyes to those blessings that God has given us. They are everywhere. Now, the second truth that we're operating in this series is this. God blesses us so that we can bless others. So God's blessings are always meant to be shared. They're never meant to be held on to. Anytime we're tempted to hold on to a blessing, something bad happens in us. Something bad happens in the world. When we hold on to a blessing, we hoard a blessing. We looked at that last week when we watched Jacob steal a blessing from his brother. We watched a whole lot of dysfunction happen in that family. We watched a family break apart for years because of that one act of stealing a blessing. So bad stuff happens. God never wants 
us to do that. Now, today we're going to explore another very specific way that God wants us to pass our blessings along. So in this series, we've explored passing our blessings along through the power of words. And we learned that our words have the power to give life and our words have the power to give death. And God says, listen, if you're a follower of mine, you need to be known for people who give life in every situation. We've also looked last week at an interesting twist on blessings, that sometimes blessings come in packages we'd rather not open. And yet when we open them, there's something there that we watched Jacob walk with a limp, and yet in his limp came one of his greatest blessings. So sometimes we have some blessings in our lives that we would say at first, I'm not so sure it's a blessing, but later, as we look at it from God's perspective, see that there's a blessing in disguise there, a difficult situation that maybe we're going through. Now today we're going to look at passing on God's blessings through actions, so doing something with God's blessings. So if you would, grab your Bible or a Bible and turn over to Luke chapter 10. If you need a Bible, feel free to jump up and go to the back of each section. There are tables there with Bibles. Love for you to have one if you need one. If you need one at home, feel free to take one as our free gift to you. Feel free. Now would be a great time to grab one. Luke chapter 10. It's found on page 792 in our paperback Bibles. If you have the Bible on your phone, feel free to bring that up during the service as well and use that. All right, Luke chapter 10. In this story that we're going to read, it's a true story, and we've got an interaction that was something common for Jesus. So Jesus has a, a gathering of people around him. They're listening to him teach. They're listening to him talk. I mean, anytime Jesus walked into town, he was healing people, he was teaching, and people were very interested in what Jesus was talking about and what he was doing. So he gathered a crowd wherever he went. So Jesus, again, in this scenario, he's got a crowd of people around him, kind of look in kind of this context. So Jesus Jesus is teaching, people are listening. Now, in the crowd, there were always different groups of people. There were some that were his followers, his disciples. There were others that weren't quite sure what he was doing. Then there was a group of people in the crowd that didn't like Jesus. And they were there to try to catch him doing something that he shouldn't do, saying something that he shouldn't say so they could put him on the hot seat. So in this crowd, we have someone like that. We have what that, this passage says, an expert in religious law. And he wanted to put Jesus into a bad spot. And so this, you could call him a lawyer. We'll call him a lawyer today. So he asked Jesus this question found in verse 25. He says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus, being God in the flesh, he knew his motive. He knew where it was coming from. He knew I was asking the question. And so watch how masterful Jesus responds. In verse 26, Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So he turns it right back, hands it back to the guy and says, what do you think of the law of Moses and what it says? So the man replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, right, you got it. Now do this and you will live. Now this religious leader, this lawyer, if you would say, realizes that he just made himself out to look kind of foolish. 
He realized he just kind of revealed his cards. He asked a question he knew the answer for. So he knew he looked kind of foolish in front of the rest of the crowd. He didn't like that. He wanted to put Jesus back into the hot seat. And so in verse 29, he wanted to justify his actions. And so he asked Jesus another question. Okay, so you say I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Well, who really is my neighbor? Like, who really is that? I mean, who do I really love out there? Who am I supposed to do that to? And he wasn't really interested in finding out who his neighbor was. Again, he was just trying to put Jesus in the hot seat. So Jesus, in perfect Jesus style, answers this guy's question by telling a story. Verse 30, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So we're just going to take a moment, unpack this story together. So we have a Jewish guy that Jesus um, tells into this story. He was robbed. He's on this trip. He's robbed. He's beaten up. He's left half dead along the side of the road. And then we have three different individuals that walk down this same road and could do something to help this guy in need, but only one actually does something. So the first guy that we have that comes down the road is a priest. Now, this is someone that everyone hearing Jesus' story would think, yeah, this guy would do something. He's a priest. He was a Jewish priest. He sees another Jew in trouble. He should be the one to do something. But Jesus said when the priest saw the guy lying on the road, he crossed over to the other side. So he looks down the road. He sees this guy laying there, and he goes, I don't want any part of that. And he goes around to the other side and avoids this situation altogether. Now, the second guy that comes down the road is a temple assistant. Another person that we would think, in the religious context, someone who helps at church, someone who teaches people about God and his ways, this would be someone we would think would stop to help. And this guy kind of does. I mean, he gets curious. So he sees the guy up there and he walks up to check it out. You know, like, I'm curious. Like, what's this all about? Like, ooh, it looks bad. Wow. Like, he got hit there, there, and there. There's blood going on there. Wow, this is pretty bad. I don't think I want to be involved. Gets back on the other side of the road and heads out. Now, sometimes I think, you know, myself included in this, sometimes I think we're a lot like the temple assistant. Sometimes it seems like we like to check out people's pain without really being involved in helping them solve their problems. So we have this kind of fascination with pain. I think that's why shows like Jerry Springer are still on. You know, if you ever like flip in and all of a sudden you catch Jerry Springer, I mean, I don't know what you do, but I stop and I'm watching like, 
what in the world? He said, what? And she did what? And then someone's smacking somebody and smacking somebody, and I'm watching. Like, why am I watching? I don't know. I'm just kind of fascinated by it. All a little bit of drama. It's something about it that's kind of, kind of interesting. When two kids in school start fighting, what do you typically hear? Fight, 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 fight. And what's everybody else do? They run to watch the fight. Who's going to stop the fight? Nobody. We want to see the fight. We want to watch, you know, hair get pulled or somebody get punched. I mean, we just want to observe that. Or if there's a car accident on the side of the road, often we're sitting in like miles of traffic and you get up on it and it's not that big of a deal. Why was it so slow? Because we're all checking out to see like who got hurt, how bad is it, how, how many were involved. We're just checking it out. We're just observing. Not many of us want to jump out of the car and help. We just want to watch as we drive on by. Now, God has not called us to observe people's pain. He's called us to do something about their pain. He's called us to help ease their pain as much as we can. He's called us to bring hope in hopeless situations. Now, the third guy that walks down the road is described as a Samaritan. And if you look at the top of that section in the Bible that we're reading, it has a little label. This story is called the Good Samaritan Story. Now, you have to know in context, when a Jew heard this story, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Jews hated the Samaritans. You see, a Samaritan was considered to them a half-breed. So it was when a Jew would marry a non-Jew and then have children. So someone from another nationality, and they said, we don't want anything to do with that group of people. So if you were a pure-blooded Jew, two parents were Jewish, you didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans. And they didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. So if you can imagine in your own life a person or a type of person that you would not want to help you when you're in your moment of need, as we all get into So maybe think about a moment of need that you've been in in your life where you need help and there's some type of person or some specific person you don't want God to use. That's the person that God wrote into this story as the hero of the story. So just, again, get that context. So we have this despised Samaritan. And this despised Samaritan did several interesting things. In verse 33, it says, then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man He felt compassion for him. And remember who's lying on the ground. We have his enemy lying on the ground. He would have known who this was. He would have known this is an enemy of mine. And everyone, Jews and Samaritans alike, would have understood why he wouldn't want to stop. I mean, they would get it. You know, they thought Jesus would say, and then Samaritan came along and went, yeah, he didn't just avoid and go on the other side of the road. He probably went the other direction. That's kind of probably what they were expecting to hear from Jesus, but Jesus doesn't say that. This Samaritan, this despised Samaritan, stopped and did something. He had compassion on a person in need. It didn't matter to the Samaritan that this was his enemy. It didn't matter. All that mattered was here was a human being in need another human being in a desperate situation needed hope. And so this Samaritan felt compassion. So for you and I, we're thinking about us and putting ourselves into this story. When you're traveling through life, you see someone in need, do you have compassion on them? Does your heart stir for 
compassion, like, I'm so sorry for the pain that they're in. And, and is there something in there that makes you want to do something to help them in any way that you can? Do you have compassion for people in need or do you judge them? Do you judge them and say, I don't really feel sorry for them because they got themselves into this situation, I bet. Like they made this you know, mess, like they should you know, clean it up themselves. You know, how do you respond to people in need? Now, I want you to think about this for a moment because I think we've all been there. I know I have said that in moments like, yeah, that person made that mess. Let them clean it up themselves. And think about how God has interacted with us. Now, you don't have to raise your hands. Has anybody here made a mess of your life at one point or another? You don't have to raise your hands, but thank you for raising them. All right, so we're, we're amongst friends, okay? So in that moment that you made the big mess, guess what God did? He said, I'm going to come help you. I'm going to step in. You created the problem. I didn't, but I'm going to step in, and I'm going to help you solve this problem that you created. Now, when we see someone in need, I think that's what God wants us to do. I think God wants us to step in and say, man, I feel compassion for you. I want to help in any way that I can. And anything that I can do, I'd love to help you in this moment. Now, in verse 34, our good Samaritan, he, he took his compassion and he did something with it. He took his compassion and he turned it into action. He saw a need and he met a need, okay? So he didn't say, oh, someone else will probably come down the road. He didn't say, you know, that guy must have been doing something wrong. I bet he was selling drugs. I bet that's why he got beat up. I bet that's why he's on this road. He didn't say that. He didn't say, you know what? I bet there's a government program for him. No, he didn't say that either. He just saw a guy in need and he helped him. He brought hope to a hopeless situation. Verse 34 says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, here's where our story gets a little uncomfortable for us. Okay, we're trying to put ourselves in this story. We don't mind helping people if it's not going to cost us much. I mean, we don't mind if it's not going to be too big of an inconvenience. You know, we don't even mind giving a little bit of money here and there. If it's not that much money that we're giving, you know, I, I found that sometimes it seems like, like we're a little bit more eager to give money because that keeps us from being personally involved. So I, I can hand the money off and I'm done. My job's done. You know, whatever it is, a few bucks or whatever. And then I don't really have to get involved in what's happening in that story. But the reality is helping others will cost us. If you're going to help someone, it's going to cost you, just like this Samaritan in the story. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us energy. It might cost us sleep. It might inconvenience our busy schedules. It might even cost us some money if we're really going to be like Jesus and help people in need. But again, think back to what God has done for us. Did it cost God anything to help us when we were in a mess? Yes. Jesus came to planet Earth to help step in and solve a problem that we created. And it cost him his life. 
He said, listen, I'm willing to lay down my life to help fix a problem that you created so you can receive help for all of eternity. So helping someone just might cost us. You might feel it a little bit in your pocketbook, in your time, in your energy, in your schedule. You just might feel it. But the Bible teaches that eternal rewards far outweigh anything that we could ever pay out here on planet Earth. So what we receive for all of eternity from God, another one of God's blessings, far outweigh anything, any cost that we could ever pay out. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 25. Listen to this for just a minute. In verse 31, this is Jesus talking. He's talking about a future event. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his own glory and all the angels with him, he's talking about himself, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king, talking about himself, will say to these on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. It's part of God's blessing. God says, listen, I got some, some blessing, this kingdom that you're going to experience for all of eternity. It has been in preparation before the creation of the world. And he continues, and he says in verse 35, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these Righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. This is fascinating what Jesus is saying here. It says, when we help someone in need, God says, we're really helping him. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, if you give to the poor, it's like you're loaning to God. Can you imagine God owing you something? Well, when we help someone in need, it's as if God writes it down as a loan to him, and he's going to pay you back for it. Like, that just blows my mind. That in moments when we help someone in need, we're really helping God. In moments when we give something away, God says, that's a loan, and I'll pay you back. You better believe it. I'll pay you back for all of eternity with, with interest compounded, eternal interest compounded. So again, helping people will cost us something, but it does not compare to the eternal rewards that we'll be able to experience when we partner with God to serve people in need. Now, let's remember this question that prompted our story today. This religious expert, he asked, who is my neighbor? And it's interesting that Jesus answered his question by showing him how to be a neighbor. He didn't outright specifically answer the question. He did it in a roundabout way, something that Jesus often did. So who's our neighbor? Who's your neighbor? It's anyone that you see in need as you travel through the pathways of your life. 
as you go through your normal week, as you go through a normal day, as you go to, to work, as you are at home, as you are in your community, as you shop, as you do whatever your hobbies are, you see someone in need, that's your neighbor. So if you take a trip out of Florida and you're up in Georgia and you see someone in need, guess what? That's your neighbor. You're on an international mission trip serving people around the world. You see someone in need, guess what? That person is your neighbor. For followers of Jesus, our standard MO should be see a need, meet a need. If you have a need and God's placed you in front of me, then you're my neighbor. See a need, meet a need. So who around you is in need? Who around you at work might need a listening ear? Who at school might need a friend? I mean, like desperate for a friend that you could meet that need for them. Or who in our county is in need of help that you could, you could help? Maybe it's somebody that you drive past on a regular basis or you see on almost a daily basis. You see them so much, you don't see them anymore. Who is it around you that's in desperate need? Now, I'm going to move from the individual aspect of this to the corporate aspect of this for our church. So God has placed our church, us at Epic, here in Flagler County to help bring hope to people in need, to help serve people that have legitimate needs in our county. And I wonder, you know, who are our neighbors as a church? Who's our neighbor out there? Who should we be serving? So I just want to tell you a little bit about the people in our community, and I need a little bit of help to do this. So let's just pretend that we have 100 people in here, okay? So I don't know if we have that or not, but let's just together say we have 100 people in here for illustration purposes. And in this middle section, I need 12 of you to stand up for me. So just 12 of you stand up and stay standing for for just a moment. All right, I'm not going to make you do anything weird other than stand. All right, so two, two. Four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Okay, so we have a, about that. All right, great, great. All right, so you 12, everybody look around. This is a sampling of our community. Okay, let's say our community, we're about 100,000 people. This is a small sampling, a representative representation of our community. All right, so we're looking at this group that's standing here. You 12 represent the people in our county who live in poverty. One out of eight people in our county live under the poverty line. That's a lot of people. I mean, if you compare it to you know, looking at about 100,000 people, we're talking about 12,000 people in our county live under the poverty line. All right, now two of you can sit down, just two. The rest of you stand up. All right, so we've got 10, st- 10 still standing. You 10 represent the percentage of people without a job. One out of 10 people in our county don't have a job. They're struggling to, to pay the rent. They're struggling to put food on the table. They're struggling with the prison that unemployment can create. It's a big challenge. Okay, now you all can sit down. I need 33 women to stand up. So ladies, if you'd just jump up, that'd be awesome. Okay, I'm going to start counting fast here. So 2, 2, 4, 8, 12, 14, 16, 18. What's after 18? 20, 22, 24, 26, 28. 30, okay, we have 32. Can I get one more lady to stand up? One more. There you go. All right, 34. That's good. We're good. All right, we're estimations, gang, all right? All right, so you 33 ladies. Now, let's just say that this is a room filled with 100 women, again, sampling of our community. Almost 33% of single moms in our county live in poverty. Look, look at this. This is a big number. If you're a single mom, there's a one in three chances that you're going to live in poverty with your kids. 
That's big. You can be seated. Thank you very much for helping me out with that. The needs within our community are large. We've got a lot of people that are in some desperate places, and they need hope. They're desperate for some hope to be brought to them. And we have an opportunity that we've been talking about for the past few weeks in this series, an opportunity for us to bring hope to some of the people in our community that are in desperate need of hope. So next Sunday, we're doing what we're calling 3G Sunday. So we're not going to be having our regular services at 9.15 and 11. That'll be really important to know. But instead, we're going to gather next week at 8.15. So love everybody to be here at 8.15 next week for a short time of encouragement. Then we're going to go out into our community, and we're going to give of what God has given us. We're going to pass God's blessings along. We have 11 projects that we're going to be working together in. We have construction-type projects, beach cleanup. We're going to work at an assisted living center. We're going to be serving food through Grace Community Food Pantry. We're going to be building a house with Habitat for Humanity, and there are several more projects that I haven't listed there. We have projects for everyone from first grade on up. So if you've got a family of first graders on up, we've got projects for that. If you have children under that, we have childcare that will be provided here that morning from 8.30 to noon. So just make sure you're back by noon because your kid does not want to come home and hang out at my house after church, right? Now, God wants us as a church, he wants us individually and as a church to be the Good Samaritans. He wants us to walk down the paths of life, to see people in need, recognize it, have compassion on them, and turn our compassion into action. Not just avoid them, not to walk around them, not to just leave them in their pain or observe their pain and then keep on going. God wants us to do something. Now, can we meet all the needs of everybody in our county? No, it's not possible. It's not possible for us to do that. But we can meet the needs of the person that God places in our lives. And maybe you don't have the resources to give somebody that's in a need. Maybe you don't have those exact resources. But the greatest thing that people that are in need in our county need is hope. And the hope that we're bringing is capital H hope, and that's Jesus. We're bringing Jesus to them. Jesus is the only one that can really meet people's needs, any of our needs, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, eternally. Jesus is the only one that can meet our needs. So we want to introduce people to Jesus. That's the greatest thing that we could ever give anybody, the greatest blessing that we could pass on. Now, for our 3G Sunday, today is the last day to sign up. And we've got at the back, um, there's four tables back there, and you'll see four signs up there for describing the projects that you can sign up for. A number of our projects are already full, so I'd encourage you to stop on by and get your name down on a piece of paper somewhere and help us next week learn how to serve our community. This does not have to be your church home for you to do this. If you're here today as a guest going, man, I'd, I'd like to be involved, awesome, be involved, sign up, love to have you come and help us do that. Now, again, next Sunday, be here at 8.15. Are we going to have our regular 9, 15, and 11 o'clock services? Awesome. You guys have been paying attention. Woo. I love it when that happens. Okay, before we wrap up, let me just tell you something that happened in my small group this past week related to this series that we've been doing. So I get together with a group of men on Sunday night, and we're studying the Bible together, challenging each other to grow to be more like Jesus. And we've been talking about how can our group serve people around us? And so we gave an assignment to everybody. All right, let's go throughout your week and keep your eyes open. Pay attention. Keep your ears open. Listen. And if you hear something that we can do as a group, let us know. And, and if we can, we're going to try to figure out how to make that just kind of a regular part of what we do as a men's group. 
And well, this past week, we had two opportunities that came up. So, so one guy brought up an opportunity and said, listen, um, I'm aware I've got this uh, friend in my life who's got some medical needs and told us a little bit of a story. And I'd love for our group to help bless him in a real specific way. And he gave a specific dollar amount, said, this is the amount of money I think that we should help bless this guy with. And one of the guys in the group jumped up and ran out and said, I'll be back in a minute. Now, I'm thinking he just didn't like the money conversation. He's like, oh, I'll go to the bathroom. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I'm sorry. I couldn't participate. So he runs out and comes back in a minute later, and he's got an envelope, puts it down on the table and says, God has blessed me recently with some money, and I've been asking him what he wants me to do, and he just told me. He wants me to give it to you to give to that guy. It was the exact amount of money that was brought up a moment ago that had already been in that envelope before the guy showed up in the meeting. And we're all sitting there going, what just happened? Like, that's awesome. That doesn't happen. That is so cool. And it didn't stop there. Right before I had come to group, I was made aware of a person uh, that was in need of some financial help, kind of a hopeless situation. It was like just a rough deal. And man, my just heart went, went out to this person. So I was made aware of that. So I show up in men's group. And then this cool thing just happened. I'm like having a conversation with God. Like, I don't know if I should I bring this up. Like, I don't know. And like, that was really cool, but I'm not so sure what I should do. So I was a little bit reluctant. I dove out anyway. I said, all right, guys, let me just tell you, I just was leaving home and I found this out. And here's the scenario. I told the story. This person needs a specific amount of money. They need it tomorrow. Without batting an eye, one of the guys says, I got it. I'll give it to you right after group. I'm going, are, are you sure, like, all of it? Like, you got the whole thing. I got the whole thing. Within about five minutes, God prompted two guys in our group to give almost $500 to two people in need. And the whole group is just sitting there kind of like, what just happened? They're like, this was a holy moment for us. Take your shoes off, quick. You know, God's got to be around here or something. Like, this is really cool. And after we kind of, you know, allow that to die down, one of the guys said, you know, like, I really could use like $30,000. <laughs> we said, good luck with that, because it's not coming from here. So Jesus wraps up our story, this good Samaritan story, by saying in verse 37, he says, now go and do. He doesn't say, hey, like, tell your kids this really cool bedtime story. He doesn't say, hey, think about this story and its implications for your life. He says, no, now go and do the same. Like when you leave this, this context of me telling you this story, like go be a neighbor to someone you see. So the challenge is the same for us. As we leave here, you might see an opportunity before you walk out these doors. You might see someone in need that you can help. As you go throughout your day today, as you go throughout your week and your normal patterns of life, will your eyes be open for people that you can be a neighbor to? And then next week, will you come back and will you help our church be a neighbor to the many people in our county that are in desperate need of hope, the hope of Jesus? So thanks for being here today. Let's pray together. God, I am always amazed at your love for us and what you did and what you do for us. So in our moment of messing up our lives the worst, as all of humanity has done, you didn't just observe our pain, you did something. You left the splendor of heaven, Jesus, to come here to die a death 
so that we could have life, so that you could help us. You had compassion on us. You want us to be just like that. You want us to have compassion on people in need. Lord, we realize we can't meet everybody's needs, but you can. You can meet everyone's needs in ways that helps them grow to be more like Jesus. So Lord, I pray for us individually that you would open our eyes this week. You would help us to see the many people around us that we can be a neighbor for. And Lord, as a church family, you're teaching us how to be the right kind of neighbors in this community. And next week, I pray that you would help us really learn how to do that well and better and serve our community through our 3G Sunday. Thank you for being a God who has compassion and turns that compassion into action. May we be just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's give the worship team a hand this morning. Thank you guys for leading us in awesome worship. And Evan even has the flu this morning and still just led us in awesome worship. We appreciate them so much. Well, welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. My name is Sarah, and I have a few announcements for us this morning. Men, we have an awesome conference coming up in Daytona for you guys, and this is called Promise Keepers. It's October 25th and 26th, and it's going to be an incredible time for you guys as men. And if you haven't signed up, please sign up today. We need you to sign up today in the back at the Connection Center, or you can sign up online at theepicchurch.com. God has blessed us so much, and we want to give back um, and be a part of what he is doing here at Epic and in our community. And if you call Epic your home, you can give in a couple ways. You can give at the giving boxes at the back of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. Well, today we are in the fourth part of our series, The Power of a Blessing, which has been extremely impactful and a powerful series. So before we have our message today, join me in a word of prayer. God, thank you for being so good to us and so faithful for blessing us so much, Lord. And thank you that, um, for challenging us just to bless others and be a blessing in so many ways. And God, I pray that you would just open our hearts, um, help us to have open hearts and minds, um, hands to what you would have for us this morning. I pray that, pray that we wouldn't just hear what is taught, but we would put into action and be doers of what is taught, Lord. So speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What a great challenge to see a need and meet a need. We can apply that in so many areas of our lives. And if you want to go, go deeper into studying that Luke 10 passage or other passages in the Bible related to that theme, we have a spiritual growth challenge, which you can pick up at the Connection Center or download online. There's passages of scripture to read and questions to process yourself or with a small group to help you dig deeper into that subject from today. Well, check out this trailer of what we have coming up next week. Well, next week is 3G Sunday. It is finally here. We've been talking about it for a while. And October 13th, next week is the day. We're going to have 11 projects that we're going to be doing in our community. And many of them are full, but we have some openings. And I think by the, after the service today, we will probably have them all full. But I want you to take this card, if you could um, pick this up next to you, and you'll see some of the projects that we have left that are open. Habitat for Humanity, we have, I think, just one space left there. We'd love for someone 18 and, or over to um, sign up for that. We're going to be framing a house in the S section. 
with Brush with Kindness, we're partnering with Habitat with Humanity to um, paint the exterior of some houses in Benel. And we were just going to paint three houses, but the cool thing is all of those houses, we have enough people. So they said, if you can get more people, we can do a fourth house. So we're opening up a fourth house. Hopefully we can get 20 of you guys to sign up for that. That would be great for Surge and adults. And they're all on the same street. So it'd be really cool that we can help provide us a spark of new life to that neighborhood. The Imagine School Project, that filled up in the first service, so scratch that off the list. But we do have another project um, for first grade and up. The Flagler Beach cleanup still does have a little bit of space to that. So families, that's a great project for you. Also, we'd love to have some of you sign up for our prayer team here that's going to be meet here at Buddy Taylor that morning and be praying for 3G Sunday, but also just for our community and reaching our community. So um, you can sign up for that as well. The signups do end today, so please sign up after this service or online this afternoon. But um, if you wait till this afternoon, they may all be filled up, so sign up today. We are offering childcare for nursery through kindergarten here from 8.15 to noon, and we do need you to pre-register for that. So if you haven't registered your child, you can do so at the back tables or online today as well. Now, for those of you, and many of you have signed up already, just a little bit of information you need to know. Please be here next Sunday at 8.15 for check-in. We're going to start at 8.30. All but two of the projects end at noon. The two projects that go till three are Grace Community Food Pantry and the Habitat Build. And so if you're part of those projects, please make other arrangements for your kids to be picked up at noon because childcare does end at noon here. If you have an Epic t-shirt or a 3G Sunday t-shirt, please wear that. If you want to purchase one of those, you can do so in the back today or just wear work clothes because after we meet here briefly, we're going to be dispersing to our work projects. And be in prayer for what God has for us and our community next week. We're just excited about those individual... God orchestrated moments that Trent was talking about in his group that could just happen at the projects and with the, uh, the partners and the homeowners and the people that we're loving on next week. Well, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for coming this week. We'll see you next week for 3G Sunday. Thank you.